Hola. Hey, sports fans. This is ACI. I'm Svea Vikander. ACI? Airports Council International? American Concrete Institute? No! Art Crash International. We can call it ACI, right? Svea, it's taken. I looked it up. It's taken by the Audit Committee Institute. Nobody knows about the Audit Committee Institute. Autodesk Certified Instructor. Activated carbon injection, automated coding of invoices, acute coronary insufficiency, no. air combat intelligence, no. administratively controlled information. Josephine, those are boring and I don't think they exist. Mm. Um, Josephine, what is your name? I'm Josephine Bedens. Good. And together we take you into the artist studios of the world because artists are open-minded people who understand that many things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Acceptable chronic intake. Agri-Business <laughs> Council of Indiana. Josephine, who do we have a crush on today? Well, today we have a crush on Kat Trataris. Oh, who's that? Kat Trataris is an artist, art handler, organizer, and curator. Get crushing on them on Instagram at domestic underscore daddy or on our website, which is artcrushinternational.com. And when we did this interview, they were running an art gallery in San Francisco with two friends. Right. This is a time travel interview. Some things have changed in Kat's life, like they have even newer, cooler projects. But for now, we go back in time. Get ready to hop on an absolutely cool invention. You can't do that. That's, that's not on the official ACI list. I mean, there. I saw it. So we took the BART and we got off at Powell Station and walked up the Tenderloin to get to um, RSF Studio and Gallery. And although I had the address, we walked right past it and we had to turn around and I was embarrassed, but Josephine was very forgiving. So Kat opened the door and they were wearing this black shirt with pizza slices. And they were also wearing the ceramic necklace with a pizza slice piece on it. So we have one back office and then four studios, two artists. Yeah, we enter this not-so-big gallery space, which is full of light. Another artist just moved in next to us. We had kind of a shift happen recently. And so we got actually a tour of the gallery right when we walked in. So the gallery is pretty small, but also functions as studio space. Okay, the bathroom. <laughs> Excellent. Very beautiful bathroom, very artistic. Very artistic bathroom. I went to the bathroom. The bathroom was really nicely decorated with there were there were like these white tiles and this black cement in between them and then there were i remember gold golden objects there were newspapers next to the toilet so you could read if you wanted to um, and i also remember this pinkish reddish light so it was kind of an LA feeling i got there or very artistic very um very modern a little bit alienating. It's really, and I, I mean, I love this whole vision of the gallery from up here. Um, it's a pretty dynamic space the way it's been set up, and so it's kind of it's a really fun space to work with. This is actually me and my friend Caitlin in undergrad. <laughs> That's and awesome. we conducted the interview in Kat's studio, which they share with another artist named Caitlin. 
They've been friends for seven years. They provided like drinks and there were snacks for us, so that was really cool. So we could snack. And maybe I should mention that Kat was wearing an eye patch and it looked great. Excellent art crush action. Uh, my eyes started hurting and then it, and I was trying to fix it and then earlier I woke up and it was so swollen. It just was morning and it's like super swollen. I was like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to deal with it later. But as I go on with the day, I'm going to be wearing an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> they also had a sparkling gem on one of their front teeth. Where I like got this gem thing put on. I'll, I'll just look all kinds of weird shit. So the gem thing on your tooth. Yeah. That's how really how cool. do you get that on? It was uh, glued on with what's it called? Um, like the way they put your braces on. It's just a glue. Oh, so you can take it off. Yeah. Okay. Or uh, one day I eat it and it just falls off. And I eat it after a couple yeah. of years okay. or something. Yeah. But it stays on for years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I kind of want one. It's great. Yeah. Everyone should do it. I always wanted a gold tooth, but it seemed weird to get a gold tooth if I didn't need it. And then I always also liked grills, and that seemed inappropriate. And so I settled on the tooth gem. <laughs> Svea asks Kat if they live here in the Tenderloin. I know I used to for like four years though, out of the time I've lived here. Uh, I live in the Richmond now. Pro it's the first time I've lived in like a proper place since I've moved here. What did, where, where were you living? The first place I lived, I was on, I was, had a bunk bed in, on the top bunk with two other women, um, with a guy in the room next to us, like in this really small basement garage room place kind of only had one window and it was like <laughs> under a family in the outermost sunset and she had an alleyway with the fucking uh bar there's like rats in our walls but I paid 350 dollars so and that was the first place i just drove up here with 400 dollars. that's how i moved here so that worked out pretty well oh I, I had a studio um in a place called art explosion in the mission i have always been really uh, obsessed with getting a studio even if i couldn't afford it um, I am very messy. I don't want to put it away and I don't like living with that stuff either. So for this works pretty well because I can do stuff at the gallery and come to my studio and do things here. Bigger is always better, but I mean, I'm in the middle of downtown San Francisco, so it's pretty good. And I do a lot of offsite work these days. I've been like doing clay stuff somewhere else. I've been doing wood things at work because we have a wood shop I can use, which is incredible. Um, so this kind of is more of like a thinking assembling space anyway. I told Kat their studio is very Enemy. neat and organized. I just moved in here two weeks I ago. I just moved in here. Okay. All right. But I did. I have, I've been, I've been trying to get rid of sh comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually I had questions about yeah. all your collaborations. Okay. Like art modes or that was like moms. Moms. That's the thing. So the two women I run this gallery with. Kat runs the gallery with two women, Lauren Licata and Annika Vrana Godwin. We have had a lot of project proposals we've tried to put out um, where we've done things that are not just the gallery, but there's some form of like institutional experimentation or curatorial experimentation. And we haven't had as much time to put into it lately as we wanted to because of just running the gallery by itself. But that is like a thing we always wanted to call it. We wanted to figure out a name <laughs> and everyone calls us Art Mom because we're just momming people, I guess, and all the art world in general. And then we like bought a minivan to move a bunch of art and then it got really out of control. Um, I'm the dad out of the moms though. And then of course, there's a space we're in right now, RSF. It's spelled R slash S F. I'm not even sure how you're supposed to pronounce that. Did you say R slash S F? No, just R S F. Yeah. Okay. 
But some people say arsif. They're getting really sassy. Arsif. <laughs> I just think r slash. R slash SF. R yeah, slash. I mean, it's like the slash, slash denotes that SF is a place. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point, it's a confusing name and we're just going with it. So... <laughs> We found out recently that it also stands for rentable square feet, which is really ironic. What to name cool. a gallery? It's kind of hard. You just want to be cool, and then you'd fail at it, and then it's fine. And then you're just cool and elusive because no one knows what it means. Just like we have no sign because we haven't been able to afford one, and apparently people think that's a cool thing, so. Um, so this place used to be the Larkin Street Youth Center. And then it was a chiropractor, and then it was nothing, and then it was ours. Um, but it's part of being in the Tenderloin is just like dealing with a lot of different kinds of people. No horror stories yet. Some interesting ones, but <laughs> what's the most interesting so far? Um, we've had a couple people who were like really on drugs come in and like not want to leave because they were really confused. And so it's just kind of like being able to escort them out. Um, there is a woman who came in one time and was just like, "It's really bright in here." And we're like, yeah, totally. She's like, does art really need this much light? And I was like, I don't know, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of things you would never think to ask. Um, we are next to Mr. Holmes' bake shop. So people, when it closes down, come over and ask us if we're a bake shop. And then ask us over and over again if they were really closed. Because people are obsessed with that bake shop. Why? just hype. They have a really good neon sign that says I got baked in San Francisco. Super lightweight. It's very chill. I mean, it's good food, but it's just like a very intense hype situation. They'll literally take an Uber to Mr. Holmes, get out, look at it and it's closed, and then they'll be like, well, I guess I'll just take a picture of the facade. And then they'll call another Uber and then leave. I like this area. There's some cool bar stuff. So this place, we got it. It was completely like it was like nothing. They had just torn up all of the carpet. It was like a total shit show. Mm -hmm. That whole front area where it's two stories and you can see, that wasn't like that. We had them knock out a ton of stuff, like the floor and walls and rooms. We wound up in a situation where the place needed so much renovation, we were able to like negotiate. They did what we asked them to do. And then we did 10 days of renovation and it was so insane. And it was like every day, all day long, sleeping like four days a night for like a week and I was working full time and we were like sanding the floors and then like, I installed the toilet and the sink and everything. I had never done any of that shit before. We had a paint wow. sprayer and scaffolding and we were painting everything. So it was us three girls doing the whole place ourselves, did all the baseboards and everything. And then we had some help too, of course, thank God. <laughs> But we got it done in 10 days while planning an exhibition. They, they do so many things. A full-time job driving a forklift for SF MoMA, where they're a preparator and get to touch a lot of expensive art. They're busy. There's also this thing they do called Drunk Barber. It's good. It's gr I cut hair. I you cut hair? Which is this kind of Darren O'Donnell type relational aesthetics thing? One of my young guy friends is like, I need to cut my hair. I can't like afford to pay a guy. It's like, okay, sure, bring me some beer and I'll cut your hair. And then I would cut his hair and then we'd get drunk and I'd be cutting his hair. And then he'd, his friends would also need haircuts and I'd cut their hair. So now I cut anywhere from like five to ten people's hair. You want to hear about the dead alleys? Yes. Okay. I just uh, dress up really crazy. I like to wear really tall shoes, some extremely tall and pretty scantily clad. And I don't wear my glasses. So I 
can't see anyone's faces and that I can look people like really dead on for extended periods of time it's really uncomfortable and I get very much in their face and their space and I act really sassy and annoyed um and I eventually wind up rolling around on the floor like kicking stuff a lot of screaming it's like super cathartic kind of like performance I took a class at SVI and this girl Anna comes up to me I just met her She's like, hey, I have this idea. You want to be in a band? I was like, yes, I've always wanted to be in a band. <laughs> I have literally wanted to be the front man of a band for I don't know how many years. And I could never find anyone to play with me. And I even made a piece about it when I was an undergrad where I'm playing guitar on a video and singing live because I'm in a band by myself. It's how much I wanted to be in a band. <laughs> so she was like, you got to be the front man. So she's from Columbia. And the whole idea or premise around this band was that she was listening to punk music and was in the punk scene hardcore in Columbia when she was younger and didn't really realize what all these like English lyrics were or meant or like how, like what the context of them was. So she kind of resented this like colonializing that had happened through music to her directly because she like listened to these songs. She's like, wow, these are really fucked up. Like, I can't believe I was like, dancing to this shit, you know, whatever. And she wanted to reverse it. So I operated as an American vessel, kind of, like, or the singer. And we listened to songs that are in languages we don't understand. So there's, like, four languages we can't even touch um, between the two of us. I phonetically transcribe the lyrics, and she does it to the music. So I listen, and then I just type them out, like, new gibberish sounds. And we just pick songs we think are good, just by what they sound like. But it's really hard to find stuff when you can't type in other languages on Google. So you're like, Indonesian bands, and then you find every Indonesian band that sings in English. So finding these songs has been a huge labor of love, and then we put together a set of like 15, 20, maybe sometimes 30 minutes. We've, per we've been performing for like three years doing this band. Um, and then she had to move back to Columbia because she has visa problems. But we are trying to put something together during Material Art Fair in Mexico in February. There was a huge punk rock scene in where I grew up when I knew a lot of people and stuff like that too. Like in bunkers in the desert. Punk rock show kind of shit. All of my work comes from my hometown. It's a very weird place. My dad moved there to realize the American dream as a, an immigrant basically. It was cheap to buy a house there in the 80s and it was going to be this burgeoning area outside of... LA, which in many ways it grew exponentially, but it didn't grow in the way that like a town does where you like know people and there's like a sense of community. It just grew literally in numbers and people commute like two hours to LA from there on a regular basis every day. LA was doing a lot where they're trying to build Section 8 housing and like push gang members or other people out of LA that they didn't want in LA. And there's like also a lot of uh, meth, tons of meth. And, um, but... Outside of those things, when I was a child, it was fun being there, like, in the middle of the desert. I rode motorcycles and horses and would just walk through the desert for hours. And we had a little bit of snow. And we grew up, I grew up next to peach orchards, which was really cool. And then, right after I left, they demoed the whole farm. Because <laughs> they can't afford to keep a farm going anywhere. It's too expensive. So then they were going to put houses, and then the 2008 housing market crash happened. I feel like that area is very much about missed opportunity or like unfulfilled potential. And that is something I think about a lot in my work. Access to food and food deserts and like what it does to people when they just don't have access to the things they need 
as a body that's not Walmart. Yeah. There's more people employed by Walmart in my hometown than the school districts. That's a form of incarceration. I was a very mellow teenager, like I didn't do any drugs or drink or anything, so I had a lot of free time to kill, which was good, I learned a lot of things. <laughs> but I also like would just go to Walmart at 11 o'clock at night with my friends and like around there because it was the only thing open in my whole town. So it was like games where you would take an apple and put it in the banana section, and then you take a B thing and you put it in the C section, and you take a C thing and you put it in the D section, and you have to go back around replace them again. The people who are loading up at 2 a.m. they don't give any shits. Like does somebody else come along and like put it back? Yeah. They have to guess. Uh, backwards. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh wow. It's a good <laughs> game. <laughs> it eats up some time. But the desert in general is a weird place. I feel always strange about people who hyper fetishize the desert as this like reawakening or whatever. I'm like, the desert's a place where people are not supposed to live. There's no water. Everyone complains about growing farms and there being no water. And I'm like, why did you put a farm there? It's a desert. So there's like all these like weird identity crises of like what land is supposed to do for us or like space is supposed to do for us and like how we're entitled to a land or a space and it should function in this way that serves a human. You know, we're always trying to like pretend that those boundaries don't exist when they do. So... It's a pretty funny place. I think of, I mean, I think about my parents a lot in my art. It's like a lot of this idea of the American dream or like what we're supposed to be or become or what we're supposed to do and like all of these boundaries that contain us and how people have chosen to like acquiesce to these designations and it's eventually caused them to be extremely miserable or um, to kind of fail very dramatically in ways that they could never have even understood. So I'm always kind of like, I'm very pro um, trying to dig out and understand who you actually are and allowing yourself the ability to like transform and change constantly in order to just like be fucking happy. And I watch my parents like try to be someone for someone else for their mothers or like whatever and like that things had to be certain ways and it just blew up in their faces, you know. So I think a lot about like how to not be my own worst enemy. Um, but then that's what all this house stuff is like domesticity and the way I pick a fence and like I've become really obsessed with ants lately. They mean ants, the little brown black insects, not your father's sister. They were in my work like really small like drawn all over stuff. Um, they're like one of my bad guys. I have three three bad guys in my narrative. The ants, the mold, and the power outlets are the bad guys. So they're anything that come from the outside in and disturb like the peace or like the safety of household consumption. Ants always get in. It's like you can do whatever you want to try and block them out. You can build more walls or better systems or put drugs down, whatever, they still get in. Um, so they're always like, they're my resistance, basically. They're kind of an existential creature, which I didn't fully understand until I became like hyper obsessed with them recently. And then mold is a bad guy because it rots things. So it like reveals to you your own mortality. It, it comes in and interrupts your process 
things that are fresh have these like time frames on them. We don't we don't like being restrained by time. And also I had an experience in high school where black mold grew in my room and gave me asthma for like a number of years, like ruined my whole athletic career basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's horrible. It's cuz I lived yeah. in a shitty apartment, you know. It's like you you don't have money. You get sick. And then the outlets, they're not so much bad guys. I call them soothsayers. Like, there's this action of connecting something that comes from the outside to the inside that you're, like, reliant and dependent upon, like, electrical umbilical cord, you know? And if you look at them, they look fucking horrified all the time. To me, they're, like, the things that are telling you that there's something up. But no one listens, you know? My work is basically primarily all about space, and I was realizing recently how much that has evolved in such weird, different ways. There's certain things I've parsed out through conversation with people about ways that I experience things differently. Like I'm, I don't even know what the word is, but like every time someone says any words and there's any descriptors in it, I imagine the thing playing out in my brain constantly as I'm talking to people. So it's like if someone was talking about a dragon fly, <laughs> I could see a dragon and then a fly but it's like constant visualizations that are always happening in my brain. And I also have like a, I have bad eyesight. My ability to like navigate space is pretty weird. And I've had to learn how to really focus because especially I'm using like power tools and stuff. It's like I have to really pay attention. (laughs) Um, But I think I have this thing where my sense of where my body stops and starts is more amorphous or like I feel very physically connected to like people and things around me all the time. And it's always like kind of inside of my personal space. I have had to roll with a lot of punches, so I take things pretty well. Yeah. I, I actually do like a wounded animal thing where I like will be fine and then I just go away <laughs> for like a couple days and talk to nobody and like go lick my wounds by myself and then I'll come back out later. I get really moody. What do you do in that time? I just ruminate in my sadness. I like just being in bed mm-hmm. and looking at plants. Plants? Yeah, I have plants. Just like staring out the window. It's even better when it's foggy or rainy. <laughs> Look at Instagram for far too long. Yeah, so there's not really a lot of separation for me in the lot. There's not very little compartmentalizing that happens in my life. It's very expansive. I like getting in people's face too, you know, and like pushing that stuff. And like trying to push how they view space because I think we're in a lot of bubbles right now. So I, I like to burst people's bubbles. <laughs> how do you do that? Well, the hugging, you know, that's like one thing, right? <laughs> but I, I'm working on this piece right now, which is like a performative like fence or boundary that I'm it's gonna include this white picket one, but I wanna mm-hmm. combine it with like a chain link fence. Cause my, my dad had this white picket fence and then we got robbed. So we installed chain link fence right behind it. It's really funny, <laughs> but fence is obviously a beautiful metaphor for boundaries, right? And I want to learn how to jump or scale chain link. So then I want to also be able to teach people. So it could be like a sculptural prop that's a performance piece that then also becomes this like tactical training for our very scary future. But I feel like most people want to learn how to climb a fence. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I, I like being able to push people into new things and I, I tend to be a very approachable person so it works out well. I can kind of, I can play a nice cop, weird cop. To learn more about Catch Tartarus and their work, go to catchtartarus.com. That's K 
katcharis.com. Welcome back from 2017 RSF. I love doing that. Josephine, can you tell us a little bit about what they're working on now? Do you remember they were talking about being a preparator at the SF MoMA? Mm -hmm. That's a job where they handle and install art pieces. And it's work that's mostly designed to be invisible. It's become very wide, very male, and often unsafe for people who are gender, queer, or people of color. Kat has started organizing other queer and racialized people in those fields to create community and share support. And get this, mm. they're doing it with Marcella Pardo Adis, who is an artist they had shown at RSF. Cool. And they have an open call right now, I think I yes. saw on Instagram. Yeah. Yes, okay. you're right. They're looking for art handlers to profile and feature through their materials. They say these profiles would consist of an interview and accompanying photographs that would be utilized to support the work of our community. And they'll pay $300 to five people. I love, I love a paying gig. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. it's really inspiring what they're doing. On their website, they say, we want to uplift each other through our collective fierceness. Oh my gosh, I love that even more. Yeah. Um, where can we find out more about this? Go to arthandlers.com. Okay, so like... Uh... But yeah, it's arthandlers with an X. An X? Yes, in the name. To denote gender inclusivity, it's instead of the E in handler. So go to www.arthandlxrs.com. Uh, okay. And of course, they're on Instagram too. Okay. And hopefully we'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. And Kat is on Instagram as well, right? Um, domestic mm -hmm. underscore daddy. Um, what do we have uh, next on the show for today? It's our B. O T. Finally, an acronym that doesn't piss you off. <laughs> it's true. I love my bot. <laughs> so the beautiful online thing I have for you is a virtual tour from the Jan van Eyck exhibition in the uh, Museum of Arts in Ghent, Belgium. So if you click the link, uh, which is vanike2020.be. Okay, Van Eyck, an optical revolution, 360 degree virtual tour. Which tour do you want to view? Exhibition for adults or exhibition for kids? Are you what? an adult or a kid today? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> Let's pick the one for adults. Okay, turn on your audio for a better experience. No, you can't tell me what to do. By the way, guys, what I'm seeing is the entrance to a museum. And it says Van Eyck up at the top. And you can walk through the exhibition. So maybe I should give like a little bit of background information. <laughs> okay, art teacher. I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. Oh I'm God. sorry. <laughs> I can tell you something about Tonic. Um, he was like a, really a very good painter. He was like the master of capturing light. If you look at the clothes and like the textiles that he painted and like the, the pearls on the clothes, it's insane. You probably can't really see that in this virtual tour, but if you ever get a chance to like see it mm -hmm. up close or like enlarged pictures of like the paintings of Van Eyck, it's really, it's marvelous. Okay, so I've entered another room. It says Tournai Workshop, Scenes from the Passion of Christ. So it's a wool tapestry. Wait, but this cannot, he didn't do tapestries. No. No. Enormous wall tapestries such as this example from Turnai. Unfortunately, we do not know who made it. What? It took them 10 years? We don't even know who made it? Oh my gosh. And what was it made? Probably like in the 15th century? 14, yeah. Are you at the tapestry? No, no. Which, which room are you in? Room two slash one. 
Oh, yes, pretty. Yeah, you know, Belgium was very famous for those kind of things. Thank you, Josephine. Yes, this is a beautiful online thing for this week. Thank Enjoy. You. Yes, you're welcome. Gorgeous. So let's sign off by telling people that if they want to help us out, they can leave us a review on iTunes. Seriously, it makes such a big difference for the algorithms that control our lives. Also, it makes me feel good. And we all want to make Svea feel good. <laughs> yes. Reviews. Uh, yeah. So follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Check your show notes for more details about cat and art handlers. You know what would make me feel even better, though? What is it, fail? If we had another crush already. And next week, our crush is on Helena Johansson Lindell. Oh, my goodness. Who's that? So Helena is a conceptual jewelry designer, and she lives in Stockholm, Sweden. She's also a skater. And she does all these amazing tricks. And you can see more of her jewelry and the tricks she does while skating on her Instagram. You can find her under her full name, Helena Johansson Lindell. It's a long name to spell out. So you'll find her name in the show notes or on our website. And are we going to tell them what kind of skater she is? Or should we just leave that for them to find out? Because uh, like oh, skater yeah. could be a, a, like a skateboarder or a figure skater or a roller oh, skater yeah. or... Uh, I don't know. Other skates. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great summer. H A G S Hags. Keep in touch. I think you mean K I T. Okay. T T Y S. Okay. Ooh la la. Ooh la la.